It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's where we talk about episodes of the Twilight Zone and beyond. This being an episode of the Twilight Zone that takes place in some kind of beyond. It's 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 a good life. I guess that's the right way to say it. It's it's a good life. Hmm. I'm Matt here. There's Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Matt. What up? All type of things, you know. Just dealing with these these really bad kids. What down? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is one. It's like a, I, I guess you could just go straight to the trivia on this sort of episode, don't you? Um, it's like so. It's Time Magazine said it was the third best episode. I don't know if this is actually one. I mean, I like this one a lot, but I don't think it's actually my top five. I don't know. How do no. you before? Why don't we just spill the beans to start with? And uh, how are you on this episode? Where do you live? Uh, you know, I really like the Twilight Zone, the movie version of this better. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I like that one. I like Joe Dante a lot. So uh, it's it's actually it's good despite Joe Dante's what he tried to do with it. It's good despite. I think Richard Matheson was uh, the one to adapt the original, um, like the the story for screen, and made a lot of changes. I thought were really great. Mm. Okay. Okay. But let's uh oh, I get a little echo there. Now we're good. Anyway, I'll go ahead and do the trivia on this original version. I guess you should start drying out your lips now if you want, because you have a book to read after that. I do. I hope people <laughs> that listen to this show enjoy my rod Serling, because if you don't enjoy my rod, you're not gonna I mean, hmm, you're not gonna enjoy this episode. Your brain's gonna explode of, like in scanners. A lot of my rod is gonna be in this episode. Does Patrick McGowan's brain explode and scanners that him? I you see the head exploding, so you can't I don't think that was him. Okay, couldn't remember whose head it actually explodes in that movie because it's been a while since I've seen it. But this the is first it's, scanners only yeah, one. Yeah, the other scanner movies actually not to spoil it, but those actually have way more exploding heads. Well, they have to, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, two, two has two times the exploding heads. Three has <laughs> no two and three are actually scanner cop. Those are the really great ones. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I want to talk about scanners, but it's not the time to talk about scanners, is it? Cronenberg, that's that's Twilight Zone stuff. We could we could say that uh that um the little boy could scan people. I'm sure this guy could scan people. Yeah, for sure. Original yeah. air date was November 3rd, 1961. The script is a Serling here. You mentioned the later ones, Matheson, but this one is a Serling, uh, but using a 1953 short story of the same title written by Jerome Bixby. James Sheldon is in the midst of directing six episodes of The Twilight Zone. He also got some mash in 66 Batman in his portfolio. Bill Mooney is fourth build, but Anthony Fremont is the name you remember. 
We saw Bill in Long Distance Call. Of course, he was Will Robinson on Lost in Space and racked up some other genre credits on shows like Deep Space Nine and Babylon 5. He appears in the 2000s iteration of The Twilight Zone playing Anthony Fremont once again. Mr. Fremont was John Larch. We've already seen him in Perchance to Dream and Dust. And he'll crop up a few years later as Dirty Harry's police chief. Cloris Leachman played Mrs. Fremont, a legendary actor. She appeared in The Last Picture Show, was a regular on The Mary Tyler Moore Show, and also appeared in the 2003 sequel to this episode with Bill Mooney. Of course, I can't leave out her role as Frau Buchler, Buchler, and Young Frankenstein. I feel like I'm still not That's what I needed. Thank you. It's because you got the dry teeth. You can do that. Cornyard bound Dan was played by Don Kiefer. He showed up in multiple iterations of Death of a Salesman and guested in 10 episodes of Gunsmoke. You'll also find him in the Twilight Zone precursor, The Time Element. Alice Frost was Aunt Amy. She was part of Orson Welles' Mercury Theater from the start, and we've seen her before in the 16mm Shrine. While she'd have a very long retirement, one of her last roles was on Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Okay, this is an audio podcast, but if you are on YouTube, you have actually seen Andrew drying his teeth for the past three minutes. So let her, <laughs> let her rip. All right. The night story on the Twilight Zone is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. This as you may recognize, is a map of the United States, and there's a little town there called Thieksville. On a given morning not too long ago, the rest of the world disappeared, and Thieksville was left all alone. Its inhabitants were never sure whether the world was destroyed and only Thieksville left untouched, or whether the village had somehow been taken away. They were, on the other hand, sure of one thing, its cause. A monster had arrived in the village. Just by using his mind, he took away the automobile, the electricity, the machines, because they displeased him, and he moved an entire community back into the dark ages just by using his mind. Now I'd like to introduce you to some of the people in Peaksville, Ohio. This is Mr. Fremont. It's in his farmhouse that the monster resides. This is Mrs. Fremont. This is Aunt Amy, who probably had more control over the monster in the beginning than almost anyone. One day she forgot. She began to sing aloud. Now the monster doesn't like singing, so his mind snapped at her, turned you into the smiling, vacant thing you're looking at now. She sings no more, and you'll note that the people in Peaksville, Ohio, have to smile. They have to think happy thoughts. And say happy things because once displeased, the monster can wick him into a cornfield or change him into a grotesque walking horror. This particular monster can read minds, you see. He knows every thought. He can feel every emotion. Oh yes, did I forget something, didn't I? I forgot to introduce you to the monster. This is the monster. His name is Anthony Fremont. He's six years old. With a cute little boy face and blue guileless eyes. When those eyes look at you, you better start thinking happy thoughts, because the mind behind them is absolutely in charge. This is the Twilight Zone. 
And that's how you board the Tower of Terror. Right on, dude. <laughs> uh, of course, if you're not following, uh, this is this was the base prologue for the Tower of Terror stuff because they wanted Rod Serling on the ride. Uh, they wanted Rod Serling to say a lot of stuff. This is a long one, so they brought in a uh, widow-approved actor to fill in a few of the changes, and that's that's how you do this one or that one, not this one. I guess this is it's good life. This is it's a good okay. It came out better that time. Yeah. I had another thought. Oh, the other thing. Um, the monster at the end of this book, the Grover book. <laughs> I always thought the last page should be the monster is you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah. So that kind <laughs> Look of fits in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Grover's flipping out about you. You are the monster, it is you. <laughs> Would you give me back my arm? <laughs> Don't send me to the cornfield. <laughs> Near far. Oh, sorry. I'm does never Gro coming back. Does Grover think happy thoughts or is he too neurotic? Oh, God. It depends. Super Grover, absolutely. Oh, regular yeah. Well, he's Grover. sure of himself. Yeah, regular Grover, no. He he gets really worried about stuff. He's got he's got anxiety. for, for Super real. Grover crashes a lot, though. I'm sure he gets anxious when he's crashing. Maybe last minute, a little bit of regret. Yeah, yeah. So no more than that. how long would Grover last in Peaksville? I guess he's like a dog. He'd go like the dog. Yeah, he would get, um, Anthony would get really annoyed by him. It's real good that you exploded Grover's head, Anthony. Real good that you did that. <laughs> or Elmo's head. I think Elmo would go first, I think. I don't know. what. How do six-year-olds feel about Elmo? Mm, no i mean the thing is it's got to be 100 percent compliant and you won't get that from anything besides an adult and even that you know if you get drunks forget it because in, in japan I, I well i made you watch ampaman it's it's ampaman <laughs> so kids love ampaman when they're in preschool they hate ampaman sure, but... when they're in elementary school and then they start ironically liking ampaman again <laughs> in junior high school so i've seen <laughs> like high school girls with ampaman socks well, Dokinchan right. socks. That's that's the cute demon lady mm -hmm. thing in Ampaman. Yeah, the thing is just sort of they don't they have to be able to understand that their very existence depends on being 100% compliant with anything Anthony wants. And that's why he has no friends. <laughs> All of my friends are dead. Like that album cover. So That's right. Yeah, little little Rocky Erickson. No, it's Fred. I think it's Freddie Gage, uh, Rocky Harrison's 13th floor elevators. Oh, right, right. Yeah. It's just who sings People Who Died? Oh, no, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this weird motivational album, uh, called All of My Friends Are Dead. It shows a dude kneeling at a gravestone. It was like a, a, a vocal album, like you know, oh, spoken word album from the 60s or something. <laughs> it it regularly like appears on the worst album cover lists. Um, <laughs> I mean, so this is a nice, I mean, kind of nice thing where it's like most of the ambiguous stuff is just like plastered over. Why is this town by itself? Eh, I don't really know. Where's the restaurant? Eh, I don't really know. Why does this kid have these powers? Hey, he has them. That's all that really matters. It's true, but kind of my thing with this one is that I think, I think it's, it's, it's the, it kind of falls victim to uh, budgetary constraints. Because there's a lot of tell instead of show with that introduction, mm. you know. Oh and yeah, part this has of that, to be the longest one ever. 
Yeah, and and it's because they had a lot of um like information that they needed to go ahead and give you. Um and I don't know if there would have been time to tell that story, you know, to show all that. But there's also a lot of kind of wheel spinning because it's got kind of one note to play through the whole episode. You know what I mean? And how many times do you need the adult actors going like that's real good before you kind of get it, you know? Well, this certainly could not have been a season four hour long episode. That would have. No, it did. Uh, it did. It didn't need that either. It just, I, I think that prologue, unless you're really paying attention, um, it's either was any of it necessary at all? Although or... in uh, Rod Serling, one of his last interviews, he was intimating that he was actually working on a screenplay for a full length feature length version of this, not Twilight Zone, the movie, but this as a movie. Yeah. No, I mean, um, and I could see that because you would need, I feel like this episode suffers from the fact that there's so much described at the beginning rather than shown. And then what you are shown really pulls a lot of punches, particularly with the Jack in the box thing, I think would have been a, it's only kind of horrifying, you know, and it's a little confusing. And I think they pulled back on really doing, I mean, that could have been one of the most frightening twilight zone images. If they'd have shown the full entire Jack in the box with that guy's head at the top. Well, you do get a quick shot of his head, like twirling around, like not on shadow. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. I feel it doesn't read. Maybe that's too much body horror for 1961 television. I mean, that would have sure been a pretty was. new. That would been a pretty new concept at the time. That's why I, I, I'm sure it was. I mean, it could get a lot weirder in the um in the film version, probably because of that. By then, you know, scanners again. You know, you can do more body horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, a shot from even behind it, where they had made up. Um, you know, they show that shadow. But instead of the shadow, if they would have just shown um, the, you know, the, the whatever they built in forced perspective where everybody's kind of standing in front of it, all freaking out and you see it from behind, I think would have been a better shot. I think that that. Yeah, I, I feel it's a little bit of a missed opportunity there. It It's a little the whole thing kind of feels uh, like I wouldn't have been surprised if they would have rather something else been mm-hmm. shown. A little bit more explicit yeah and, and a, just for some more monstrations um uh, you, we're both music obsessed so i guess that that's pretty much a deal killer for any empathy with anthony <laughs> <laughs> um, well it's oh, like yeah. I, I i was talking to a guy on the train a few years ago and i'm trying to make conversation I'm like, yeah what music do you like he's like i don't like music i'm like huh Okay. <laughs> possible, but didn't you just got rid of most of the things I'm going to talk about, which I don't know, that could be my personal problem, but yeah. No, I've never had someone you know, it's, you it's almost it? like I remember you said your de- deal killers of the past was uh, not liking Hendrix or the Muppets, right? It's just not possible. Mm, okay. I mean, I just don't <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh the Muppets aren't sure. that popular in Japan because they're not like quote unquote cute. They need to be like kawaii cute, you know, but for it to Oh well that's a cultural thing. I'm just yeah. I just mean, you know You see Kermit here and there. He he still shows up on socks. I was gonna say he should at least you know, <laughs> he's he's Karo Karopi adjacent. 
but I have not seen any um piggy socks, so that's too bad. Yeah, no, I, I'm. I mean, yeah. So I, I just don't think, um, you know, in the case of this, it's. I mean, that part's funny. It reminded me of Lebowski. It was like, I hate the Eagles, man. <laughs> Get out of my cab. <laughs> is Perry Como rebel music? No, this is <laughs> what would that be? Crooner music? Yeah, Probably. it is. It is. I just wrote Perry. My note says Perry Como is the ultimate rebel music. At, at least it is. And, um, <laughs> In Peaksville, <laughs> yeah, who knows? But that's a, that's an interesting moment, you know. And he's like, it's a good thing you just, you know, wouldn't let him listen to that record. It's, I don't know. That stuff starts to get like a little stale, you know. And I think the the like you said, the episode needed a monster, some type of creature, uh, a little bit more of a demonstration of what the kid could do. You know, Maybe the, hold off on that bottle of scotch until you're not around the the monster child, especially yeah. when there's only like five of them left. Like just yeah. take take it home, take a pericone. It seems like if if you're outside of earshot, you can I don't know play a crank record of it. It seemed like he was <laughs> planning to listen. Well, they don't have electricity, so but they you know, it's 1961. They might still have some crank record players around. Yeah, I mean it's they said a lot of the things were like you know gone backward in time. Uh, for it but it's uh i don't know and also i think i've not rewatched it since being a parent i don't think um and and so my memory of it my take on it now would probably be a lot different you know yeah i'm thinking of you know kids i teach right and like yeah if they did have omnipotent omnipotence and uh, is it omnipotent i guess it's just tele telepathic mind reading more than being knowing everything so but omnipotent for sure right and yes you know i mean I, of course you wouldn't trust any kid with it but there are some kids you would definitely trust less than others like mm -hmm. the kids on saturday mornings that just refuses to come in my class he's eh, the whole class gonna end up in cornfield you know yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no and and you know it but it is i haven't read much about the the origins of that original story as far as what inspired it. But for me, I think it comes from probably somebody that either really um, couldn't stand children or was really frustrated with one in particular. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I actually didn't read the story either. I, yes. Enough of these are based on short stories. I guess I quit going back and, looking at the original short stories. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like knowing a little bit about why it was written to start with. That's I think that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I guess when I was doing my research, I was looking too much into like Bill Mooney and stuff, right? <laughs> and then Chorus yeah. Leachman. I was like, oh crap, Chorus Leachman's in here. That's mm -hmm. wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, they're one of those people that shows up in the twilights and they're like, oh, really? Okay, sure. Yeah, no, that's a pretty great cast. And then uh, they they um and and it needs that because there is a whole lot of tell instead of show. No, I said a good alternate title for this would be lying through your teeth. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the I, I think a thing to think about during it is how long would you be able to stand it before you snapped at that kid? You know, uh, yeah, you're you're talking about the budget issues, but there were a few details that are never mentioned. I don't know if you. I guess you didn't. You said you didn't watch it particularly recently, but uh, I was noticing yeah. watching it last night that um, all the pictures are gone from the walls, like mm -hmm. 
the shadows there you can see where the frame was but all the pictures every room has no pictures just shadows of where they were so i was like that's kind of weird i mean that's not mentioned nobody says anything about that but uh it's just a detail that obviously that was some previous you know tantrum (laughs) yeah yeah see for me it's just like why is there not a guy made of completely of poop why is there not um a giant transformer you know he 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 has technology that's what i don't get i mean most kids like music at least some music um i guess he likes the piano music a little or at least will stand for the piano music um yeah it was almost like the whole soothing the savage beast thing but there's he he shut down the electricity i'm like what kid would kids don't like it when the power goes out no (laughs) but that could be modern kids maybe the children of the 1960 early 60s maybe they're like they want to be i don't know tom sawyer still he was popular in the 50s they had the disney show i think it would be a i think it would you'd have to know a little bit more about this town and his upbringing prior to this event that we're yeah i i did um just i considered this good writing as exactly at the moment when i was like why doesn't somebody just like pound the kid's head in when he's not looking and then the uh-huh. guy's like why doesn't somebody just pound the kid's head in right now <laughs> yeah there's a, there's that great scene where the guy is like just kind of coming unhinged but you realize he's doing that so he can distract the kid so that one of these you know able-bodied grown-ups behind him can finally like just lay the guy out you know he's still a kid and he states very plainly, how come none of these would do this? And he, in fact, he goes, I'm distracting him so you can do something to him. I mean, it's like he can't he's, get any more clear. It's being disturbingly obvious. It, kids don't understand things. We learned that in the shelter, right? When the 12 year old couldn't understand what a Conorad warning meant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so true. All right. So, um, Kids are your dumb. Choice, That's a lesson of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> your choice here is: Would you rather lay out a kid who is definitely killing people, murdering whatever he is? It seems like the cornfield is just some kind of like metaphor for death, really. Um, but it's either that, or you live the rest of your life hoping you don't slip up. And piss him off. That's why I, I I've not heard particularly good things about the early two thousands Twilight Zone. But one of the highlights is supposed to be the sequel to this, which brings back Bill Mooney and Cloris Leachman. And it's like he, you know, he's middle aged now. He has a daughter who has the same powers as him. Haven't seen mm-hmm. it yet. I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch it because I do this podcast. But uh, yeah, is that streaming somewhere? I, I I've not. Um... That, that's the big bugaboo. That's the only show that I don't have like a firm grip on. I think it's on youtube though for the most part i'm pretty sure I, it's on youtube i don't the the 80s twilight zone and the you know all the the in between really yeah in between the um the original series and then the peel series um those things don't pop up too often you know what i mean like i've not been able to really i i don't think i've watched all of them and I certainly have not watched any more than once. I think you can on YouTube, but I, I am prepared for this. So <laughs> I have the 80s set, which I, I watched a few when I got the DVD set. But now I'm like, eh, I guess I should probably wait a few moments before I get to that. Since okay. it will, I, well, 
a year and a half, I guess is probably about when we get to that. So something like that. Thinking long term here, I've got two pieces of uh, modern, um, modern media that core that make that make me think of this. One of which I'm sure you can just shout out, or probably can just shout out. Modern media. Yeah, recent stuff. Okay, sorry, I'm playing now. I'm playing my own mind games. Um, Wandavision <laughs> comes to mind. That's that's the populist one, right? Oh yes, yes. Okay, absolutely. Wandavision. Yeah, especially those first couple episodes have a very similar vibe to this, uh-huh. um, which were the ones I liked of those. I, I think people pretty much came down on that show and liking the first half better or liking the second half better. So I'm. I'm I was very... more of a second half. <laughs> oh, were you? I was a hardcore first half guy. It was just like. You know, <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't really get into it until I watched because the the the, the latter half really connected more to the, the film series. I felt. And so, oh no, I didn't. I was happy when I didn't know what was happening. Just like in here, you, even though Rod gives you the exhibition, exhi- tells you the story. Sorry, my brain exhibition. just shattered. Thank you, <laughs> exhibition. That's what I was trying to say. So, yeah, yeah Rod's really definitely the wrong word. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I didn't say Speaking of Pizzaville, a different a, kind of a episode pizza. tonight. <laughs> different Twilight Zone. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe that's where I like. Again, I this is not my top five, to be honest, but maybe that's where I like it a little better because I do like that kind of absurdist uh, vibe of this or those first couple uh, WandaVisions. Mm hmm. So, so what was the other thing you were thinking of? The other one is is definitely more niche, but I'll bring it up because I'm in the middle of reading um, Strange New Worlds novel, The the High Country, um, mm-hmm. which came out a couple months ago. So I guess I'm soft plugging it. Uh, but it's got a shuttlecraft with, you know, the, the Pike, Spock, um, Uhura, and Number One, um, where this planet basically cancels out all technology and they crash land. There's communities from earth, communities from Vulcan, communities from other planets. Ooh. But the, the minders of this planet have uh, said your technology must stay exactly how it was when we took you. That's how we're saving you. And if two different communities are on a different level of technology, this one can use the technology. This one cannot. And then oh. if someone invents something, there's like this living fire thing that will come and consume it so it's like that's a little <laughs> bit along the lines of like it won't kill you it'll just destroy whatever you were making because they're not trying to kill you so they're a little nicer than anthony in that way they're not sending people to the cornfield but they're definitely trying to keep them in a, a life of stasis which anthony is also doing yeah oh god you know republicans specifically in florida would love to have that flame you know just to- <laughs> They'd send it to Reedy <laughs> Creek, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, hey, hey, is critical race theory a thing we can burn? <laughs> yeah. Actually, well, you know what? That's something I don't know because I've been in Japan for the tw- past 12 years exclusively. So I hear that thrown around, but I actually don't know what it means. <laughs> oh, critical race theory? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that's a thing now, but I feel like that. What like when I was last in the states was twenty ten, and I feel like it's been since then. It really well, it's like it, the thing people talk about. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's just teaching the history of uh, you know race in the United States yeah. um, in a way that uh, doesn't shield kids from the truth the way the old books did. Oh, okay, 
No, I, I guess for me, <laughs> see, I would just be like, <laughs> I mean, teach yourself, right? That's one of the things, one of the problems with Anthony here. He's clearly not teaching himself. He's resting on his laurels because he's omnipotent, right? But uh, if I want to learn about something historical and if I really want to know about it, I'll read five different books on it myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess that's what you're trying to teach kids with, with that sort of thing is check a few different sources, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, they they just would prefer them all to be Fox News or Infowars. Yeah, when there's when there's a big news article, I will look at I'll look at CNN, I'll look at BBC, I'll see what the Japanese press says. I'll look at Fox News. I'm just curious what everyone's saying about it. It's really interesting when one of the sites is basically not even reporting that news. <laughs> yeah, for a while, uh, Al Jazeera was actually one of the better uh, news sources because it was kind of really neutral. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but like I'm from Atlanta. I know CNN probably has some serious bias problems these days, but still like here's a little window into at least what people are saying, you know, and then the Japanese news is relatively disattached for foreign affairs. Right. So mm -hmm. I feel like that's not a bad place to get news. Um, no news in this town. I guess that's part of it. I mean, it's it's just a. Yeah, there's a moratorium on thinking. There's a moratorium on news. There's a moratorium on technology, right? And, yeah, uh, with with horrible consequences. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the last observation I wanted to make, at least, um, one uh, another obvious matte painting. I've just been noticing those more and more, which is because I'm watching them on Blu-ray. It's not the show's fault. It's the Blu-ray's fault. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> The other one I, I made a little note about was that uh, I just saw it a moment ago and then I forgot what I was looking at. Oh, yeah. Um, if just watching films of dinosaurs fighting isn't the worst, I guess. I, I watched the dinosaurs. No, it depends fighting. on if it's the same, like, you know, 20 seconds that we saw over and over again. Okay. <laughs> Kinda, I mean, if they've just been watching a sequence of dinosaurs fighting each other for like, um, you know, an hour, I guess that could be cool. Maybe, but I guess it's always dinosaurs because he's six years old and he's an idiot. That's the thing. He's powerful, but he's an idiot, you know? <laughs> oh, no, that's the thing. He's not going to get any more mature and he's not yeah. going to grow empathy at all. Uh, he's he's stuck in a real. There's a sequel. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was gonna say I can I can find out, but you know, for the purposes of of the one we're talking about, he's I think they chose a great age because um, you know, uh, they say well, you know, if a kid doesn't develop empathy, what does he become? He's just you know psycho, and but naturally they say do uh, kids think they're? I think he's like the natural id of a child, right? Of of a terrible child. Yeah, but but still though, it's like, you know, if never taught right from wrong, and if never encouraged, or if never like corrected, you know, because you, you got to imagine like this kid has probably had a couple different moms and dads. <laughs> like, what did you just say to me, cornfield? <laughs> you better. Well, I think, I think it's intimated these are his actual parents because um, when Dan starts flipping out, one of his accusations is you two had this child. Yeah, true, true. I'm thinking of the Twilight Zone movie one. Oh, yeah. where he, yeah, 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 where he's kind of changing out family members when he feels like it. Okay. Yeah. But um, okay, yeah, that that could that could be interesting. But um, you know, this is a little new agey sounding. But 
when I teach, especially kids six and under, there's definitely some kids where it's like, ah, oh, this must be your first time here. Or, ah, oh, this kid's been around the block a few times and kind of knows mm-hmm. how to handle situations, you know? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, the kid that just keeps throwing him or herself into a wall, you're going to guess this. They don't seem to have a lot of experience with, like, reality or life or whatever, right? So, yeah. And, and other and kids I also- I don't care if they clean up and they're sitting there like doing like the um, anal retentive chef stuff, you know, after <laughs> snack time, right? I'm like, you really don't need to do all that. I got, I got a little six year old uh, where he's eh, a little squirrely in class, but the whole class just runs out screaming and he'll stay there for two minutes and just uh, rearrange all the chairs, which honestly, I probably wouldn't have done. I would have wait for the next class to do it and then do it themselves, you know? Right. I, mean, wow, I always say thank you. I always say thank you, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, that that's not Anthony. Uh, Anthony Fremont. Sorry, it's hard for you. <laughs> no, he's not OCD at all. I mean, he's that's the thing I also thought about. You know, maybe the person who wrote this was thinking about, well, if parents just give a kid whatever it wants, you know, and don't ever say boo to him, what would he be like? You know, right, right. And sorry, I keep saying Anthony because, um, John Lovett's High School High, terrible movie. The one good joke is that the one character's name is Amphony, not Anthony. <laughs> yeah, I have it on a Blu-ray with the movie Mo Money, which I really like, but I have not gone back into high school high. Only. All right. I remember that being the single good joke in it. <laughs> Anthony the kid. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see Anthony's face, but I can't remember anything else. I love but, that uh, joke, though. Sure. Why not? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I went to see high school. high. I'm sure I did. <laughs> uh, well, let's go through the questions here. Um who in this episode is in the twilight zone? Where is the twilight zone in this episode? Well, the, that you would have to kind of go back to that opening narration because he sort of addresses that in a way by saying, you know, is this by saying he doesn't know, <laughs> but yeah, by saying he doesn't know, no, you're not going to get a, you'll never get a clear answer, but it's so, uh, you can say that who went to the twilight zone? Well, the, everyone in the house everyone in peaksville is the twilight zone you know or is it the people in the cornfield because there is the one version where this is the rest of reality and he actually did send the rest of the world to the cornfield <laughs> yeah we'd have to know a little bit about more about this cornfield um because it may rock you may, may just send you to normal life and you'd be like man man those people don't know this is where it's at yeah, that that yeah, it could be that sort of matrix thing, right? So <laughs> you gotta, yeah. oh no, you, no, you don't die in the matrix to do that. But I mean, the flatliners, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta join the flatliners, right? <laughs> that worked out well, right? <laughs> no, yeah. Oh god, great idea. Let's all do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for this though, I tend to every time we talk about who's going to the twilight zone, um, we tend to think of uh someone where the twilight zone we tend to think of it as i feel like uh just like another another kind of plane of reality and usually that the person that goes is the one who um deserves some sort of comeuppance or learned a lesson you know that's why there's no comment at the end of this one because nothing happened yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) so um i think i think we can say that uh I want to say that everybody's everybody's in the twilight zone in this episode. I think the real world is a completely separate thing from where, are you, where we are. Are you willing to grant 
Anthony his humanity? Do we consider him a person that can go into the Twilight Zone? I do. I the movie I mean, they, version does. The movie version does for sure. Uh, oh, no, yeah, and I'm. Um, I've just I've seen Twilight Zone the movie. I guess maybe even more recently than I saw um, the uh, the original episode. But um, yeah, I just I just feel like this this whole episode takes place uh, in somewhere separate from the real world, and therefore. I guess to me, when we're talking about who goes to the Twilight Zone, we think of someone going away from where they are. And normally that's reality. Let's talk about who deserves what in this episode. Um, I guess we sort of just intimated that Anthony is not getting anything he deserves. No. <laughs> no, he's not. That's the whole point. That's why he's become a monster. Is because somebody should have whooped him. <laughs> or at least did some blunt force trauma from behind with right, remember that quote i say from bernie mac i believe when a kid yeah. gets one years old you're allowed to hit him in the throat or stomach <laughs> <laughs> well my response was up oh, bernie's gonna end up in the cornfield <laughs> yeah he would end up in the cornfield he'd, yeah, he'd, yeah. he'd go for he'd take that elbow and you know as long as they're quick enough he'd be yeah instead of mr 3000 he'd be mr cornfield um is it is it shorthand if i just say the res most of the residents of this town are undeserving. They just happen to live in the wrong place. <laughs> no, I mean everyone who's compliant, I think, does deserve it. Oh, okay, they deserve it because they're compliant. Okay, because they were absolutely. thrown into this absolutely nightmare si situation without anything they did. Probably. No, it's true, but they are perpetuating it. Yeah, they are perpetuating. Okay, that's for sure. But I really wanted to focus on uh, Mr. and Mrs. Fremont, which, which the episode does, you know, peg to be his biological parents. Right, um, right. So what what is their level of deserving? Should we go really prude? Like, they shouldn't have done it, man, because now they have a kid. Uh, no. <laughs> I know no, that's not the case. But I was going to say, there's just, we go, you know, the bad seed, you know, sometimes it's just a rotten egg or whatever. Um, but no, by... An omnipotent egg. Yeah. <laughs> the omnipotent seed. Uh, I think, yeah, they're they're probably the most guilty because we always go back to blaming the parents, mm. right? And so, um, the fact that they have not put something in his Ovaltine, you know, not necessarily a kill him, but you know, just a. That's what to, happened uh, to Aunt Amy, though, because it's like, oh, she was the only one that could kind of talk to this kid until yeah. she finally started singing. And I guess he liked her enough not to just send her away, but has effectively lobotomized her. I mean, she's like basically senile now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She just has very few moments where you're like, yeah, I can see why he did that to you because you stood up a little bit. You know, it's like he's not. Remember, she was the one to say he's not anywhere around. Why are we whispering about him? I mean, Mr. Fremont, when he's talking to Anthony's room, he seems a little, I mean, he's, he's trying to push just a touch of, you know, dad vibes with a little, with, with extreme non-prejudice. How, how do I say that? Okay. <laughs> no, I know. I know what you mean. And he's tiptoeing around the tulips, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 The people listening to this will know what you mean. Uh, okay. But no, I, I would say they're, uh, they're yeah they're they're probably just as culpable i would say uh what do you where do you want to throw this one on the tripometer oh gosh this is high on the tripometer for me 
I would say, yeah, this this could be one of the, I would say maybe even a four. Um, four or five. Because okay. it's just, it's asking, it's, it is setting a wild concept right in your lap. You know, there's no like snap ending for it. There's no like, oh, dude, things just got weird or holy crap. Like those, those, the endings Twilight Zone is known for. This one is, it's, it doesn't seem like it's happening in reality to me. You know, this is a, this is a one big metaphor for something the author is trying to communicate. Um, it, you can't take it literally because it's too out there of a concept. And there is no, I don't think, yeah, there's no explanation for what's happening. So um, I think it's, I, yeah, I would say it's a, yeah, it's, it's a four or even a five. Okay. I'm actually going to go to five using what I believe is your rubric, uh, <laughs> which okay. is you, I think you said in the past is trippiest when you just, you can't see how these people will go on. And yes. this is like maybe the strongest version of that we've seen thus far in the show. Like you're like, how is this even going to continue? <laughs> right. The fact that it, it even got there is kind of mind blowing. So yeah. Okay. We'll say five. Okay. I mean, I don't have to. So, like I said, uh, as terms of quality, I think it's maybe just a slight bit overrated with, um, Oh, it uh, is holding the actors to not to that statement because the acting is across the board great in this but even if like you said it might be a little one note that's that would actually be rod serling's fault right <laughs> yeah and it, but i you know i would also say that you know there may have been you know serling was fighting with a lot and uh it just might have been nigh on impossible to show all the things that one would need to know that would make this a bit more of a fleshed out story um, yeah, I mean, I'm not. Even, I'm not saying it's bad by any means. I think it's a very, very, very good episode. Maybe, maybe a top ten for sure, just not my top five. <laughs> yeah, I just think that when you go with an introduction that long, you're basically might as well have a narrator through the whole thing. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe I have some Tower of Terror love for that as well. So, <laughs> yeah, just a little like um, hand holding because I don't think like I can remember thinking why even have that you know because this is the situation you i don't i don't think you need to even tell that much you might be correct that would have made it a lot more abstract but that might be a plus so <laughs> yeah yeah no that's i mean it's just we're just you know farting around with it but uh yeah i would say it's pretty high on the tripometer for me because yeah it's just a doomsday scenario i mean there's just I mean, you're like, he's he's going to send everybody to the cornfield. He's going to be alone. He's going to have to make. Um, he's and for those make... of you screaming at their, their phones because of the sequel, we're, we're not, as you said, we're not considering that. So <laughs> I haven't seen it. I haven't know? either. I, I don't know what happens. That's why I'm like, we might be what. Yeah. What we're saying might be totally contradictory about that. But uh, yeah, we're going to be curious for the purposes of the, what this person wrote and the story it was based on. Yeah, we're not jumping timelines here because we actually can't. So good for us. <laughs> That's true. Uh, speaking of timelines, it is I, late April, early May. I can't quite remember. So I don't know. What's what's up in your May? What's up your May? What's up your May? Um, well, Gonzarific uh, is uh, the the filmmaking collective that my friends and I have here in Athens, Georgia. Uh, you can visit us at uh, gonzarific.com, G-O-N-Z-O riffic.com and uh right now uh 
in you said it was early May. Uh, I don't have my paper in front of me, but something like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in in May, we're still. Um, I'm still working on my book, and I think the book is going to be called Everybody's, and it's about uh, body image um, in middle age, and it's so it's nude photography and a series of interviews with people about the way that the relationship with their body changes over time. Yeah, I've watched my face just shrivel up over the past year. It's kind of exciting. Shrivel up. <laughs> um, as for this, it's Time Enough Podcast. It's Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Look for us in other podcasts at Patreon under the title Podcastio Podcastius. Drop us a dime if you're willing. You get episodes early of this and other shows that being films and filth the citizen cane of podcasting where you look at the 100 best and the 100 worst films as rated by arbitrary internet movie database raiders that's right yeah okay i call it disney talk about the weird side of disney films I think I have another podcast. Why do yeah? There's some video game ones. <laughs> Luke loves Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about Pokemon. Hyrule Field Report is about Zelda and the game game show. Is people gaming each other about games? Andrew and I and other regular host Mark gamed each other, which would now be a few weeks ago. So go listen to that. I think it's the April sixth episode of the game game show. Uh, you can get into that. Okay. I'm going to go off into the rice field and I'm sending you to the cornfield. <laughs> All right. I'll be over there with Malachi and everybody else. The one with the, the orange beard. <laughs> Radio. <laughs>